Our text this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. This week we finish our Advent series, The Voices of Promise. Christ has come. We have celebrated his birth and rejoiced in what that means for each and every one of us. But the story is not over, for he is coming again. And so the voices of promise have not yet been silenced. We read the word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 to 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Thus ends the reading. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you'd speak through your word this morning, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. Chad Bird starts off a quote by remarking, New Year's is the annual festival of we're not good enough, not skinny enough, not nice enough, not smart enough, etc. And it's, uh, it's a little hard to disagree with them. <laughs> We're trained by society to, to look around at the world around us and, and see how we have fallen short, how we've failed in, in different areas to maintain that which has become socially acceptable. We look in the mirror and, and what's looking back at us isn't as skinny or fit or muscular or beautiful as we want it to be. Or as society tells us, maybe it should be. We look over the past year and, and see where we've fallen short, see some, some moral failings, some huge mistakes, some major areas that we need to work on in our lives so that we can be good enough, so that we can consider ourselves to be good people. We see areas of life where we listened to the wrong advice or we made a poor investment. Uh, Maybe we had a bad judgment call and and we promise ourselves that next time, next time we'll do better. Next time we'll make smarter decisions. In 2020, I will be better. I will do better than I did in 2019, we tell ourselves. That that old me, that, that 2019 me, it isn't good enough. I made too many mistakes. I, I let myself go. I, I wasn't the person that I want to be, that, that deep down I really know that I am. So I'm going to make some changes. In 2019, I'm going to be a new me. And there are a list of places and voices that will help you achieve becoming a new you. There's a plethora of books, you know, salons, diet plans, gyms, podcasts. You name it, and someone is out there to try to help you become the new you, the you 
that you want. The you that you expect, the you that yourself and society as a whole demands. This isn't an original story. We've heard it many, many times before. Every year, in fact. Every year we are trying to move past our failures of the previous year so we can focus on the hopefully well-intentioned future. Now, I'm not saying or trying to imply that personal betterment isn't a good thing. Is it important to craft and adhere to healthy lifestyle habits? Of course it is. Of course it is. This isn't a discouragement of making positive life choices, but it is a recognition that none of those life choices are going to make a new you. Though the wrapping may change, the root cause of the issues remain. Ever since Adam and Eve in the fall, we have been born into sin, and the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is emptiness. The wages of sin is brokenness. The wages of sin is the void that we feel in our hearts. But we still have this sense that that eternity is meant for us, and so we search for ways to be satisfied. We search for means to fill the void. G.K. Chesterton once said, Every man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. In our longing for satisfaction, we turn to idols. The human heart is an idol factory. Food, money, sex, power, fame, friends, attractiveness. In our sinfulness, we come to the conclusion that if we had a better body, if we had a larger bank account, if we, if we had the friends we want and hung out in the right societal circles, that the things would be better for us, that we would feel better about ourselves. And yet, because of our sin nature, the things that we end up reaching for, the things that we hope will satisfy, the idols that we create and worship, they just lead to death. Idols do not satisfy. For as the church father Augustine once said, the heart is restless until it finds rest in thee, until it finds rest in God. The only place where we find peace, where we find satisfaction, where the void is filled is in, 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 in a sustaining manner, is in Christ. For in Christ we are truly made new. As our text this morning says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. You want to be new? You want peace? You want satisfaction? Be remade in Christ. For through Christ we have been reconciled to the Father. Reconciliation. Not a word you hear a lot in our society today, which probably has a lot to say about our society today. Reconciliation is the restoration of a relationship. Things went bad. Things aren't good. Two best friends fall in love with the same person and they can't get along anymore. A husband and wife separate. A family is divided along political lines. Something has happened and a relationship has has fallen apart. Reconciliation is when that relationship that was once broken is repaired. There's a small book in the Bible by the name of Philemon. It's one of those that's hard to find when you're flipping through. 
because it's only one chapter. It's very small. It's a letter from Paul to his friend Philemon, who is a successful property owner, a, a Colossian Christian who was most likely converted due to Paul's ministry in Colossae. Now Philemon had a slave named Onesimus. And while Paul was in prison in Rome, Onesimus stole some of Philemon's money and then ran away, escaped, got out of, got out of town, and ended up in Rome where he ran into Paul, where Onesimus himself was converted. And the book of Philemon is a letter from Paul to his friend Philemon, asking Philemon to take Onesimus back as a brother in Christ. The thief who stole from him, the slave who ran away, take him back as a brother. Now this was unheard of. A slave who ran away was punished, not welcomed back as a brother. Paul's request was completely countercultural. It turned everything on its head. It was something so unusual that would have caught the notice of the whole community. Philemon was the offended party. Onesimus had not only run away, but he'd stolen. Like, like their relationship, the trust between the two men was deeply damaged. And Paul's letter asks Philemon to behave in a way that goes against the grain and the expectation of his culture. Reconciliation. When reconciliation is required, someone has been hurt, someone has been offended, someone has been wronged. And our text this morning tells us that in Christ, in Christ, in being made new in Christ, we have been reconciled to God. Because of our sin, there, there was a gap, there was a divide, an, an insurmountable chasm between us and God, insurmountable for us. But God, he didn't like the divide, he didn't like the void, he didn't like the distance. He, he created us, he loves us, and so he sent Jesus to, to bridge the gap. We are the offending party, we are not able to keep all of our ducks in a row. We are the ones who sinned and fell from perfection. We ruined the relationship. And through faith in Christ, his death, and his resurrection, God is reconciling the world to himself. He is bringing us back into the relationship. And so, in, in doing so, he, as in verse 19 says, he is not counting people's sins against them. He overlooks our sin. He does not count our debt. He didn't overlook the debt because of our good intentions. He didn't overlook the debt because we are worthy or merit it. He didn't overlook it just to put us on a payment plan. God overlooks our sin because of Jesus. Jesus paid the debt. He reconciled our account. No matter what your sin history or your sin future is, no matter how deeply you may have hurt yourself, hurt God, or hurt your neighbor, Jesus paid for that sin on the cross. Jesus reconciled that debt. And that's mind-blowing. That's completely scandalous. That's it's borderline offensive. And that is our message. It's God's message to us, and it is also the message that he longs to proclaim through us. We spent the Advent season looking at some of the voices of promise in Scripture. These voices tell us about Jesus and what, 
and, and what his coming, what his life, his death, and his resurrection, what they mean for us. And here God is telling us that he longs to use us as a voice of promise to our world, to our city, to our neighbor. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 reads that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Which really can seem kind of crazy. God is, is sovereign and all-powerful. He could, he could write it in the sky. He could spell it out by changing the course of rivers. He could flood us with all of the good things that we have ever wanted He could communicate in any number of outrageous and fantastic ways. And yet he has chosen to make his appeal to the world through us. Broken, flawed, hurting tools that we are. How crazy is that? The next verse calls us Christ's ambassadors. Do we know what an ambassador does? An ambassador declares what their leader wants them to say. And this, this can be a bit of the hard part for us, can't it? This can be the part that we we struggle with because this whole grace thing is a little hard. This this whole grace thing, it, it doesn't necessarily always make sense. This whole Christ does all the work and we do none of the work thing just seems to be Maybe a little too easy, too free, too, too ridiculous. Maybe too easy to abuse. We don't know. We aren't told in Scripture how Philemon responded to Paul's letter and, and to Onesimus. But there's a part of me that doesn't understand how Paul had the guts to write it. How could he ask this guy to just overlook what Onesimus had done, the insult, the thievery, the betrayal? How could God go against all logic and everything civilized society stands for and ask Philemon to not just overlook these wrongs, but to be reconciled with Onesimus, to forgive him and to welcome him as a brother? And then even as I struggle with that, I'm reminded that that is exactly what Christ did for me. But it's not just the countercultural thinking, the scandalousness of the message that makes it hard to proclaim. It's also hard because it means that we have to be real about our, our failings. None of us is perfect. We all know that in our heads. We have a hard time acknowledging it with our hearts. Proclaiming reconciliation, being ambassadors of the gospel means that we need to be vulnerable about our own struggles, our own fears, our own sin. Do we have the courage to be humble and honest in our proclamation of the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ and how he has reconciled us, even us, to the Father. Do we have the courage to be a voice of promise? God is longing to use you in his mission to bring about his kingdom. So let us boldly proclaim proclaim the message, the gospel, the good news to ourselves. (laughs) And to all that would listen, 
That no matter what your debt, no matter where you have gone looking to appease the idols of your heart, that God has reconciled, has reconciled you to himself through Jesus Christ. If you are wrestling with your worth, with your ability, with your qualifications to be an ambassador of Christ, rest in the last verse of our text this morning. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. All that sin that you're embarrassed of, all that guilt you've been carrying around, that feeling that you are not worthy of being a voice of promise to the world around you, yet God took all that and he put it on Jesus on the cross so that through faith in him we would become the righteousness of God. That's amazing. That's overwhelming. It's encouraging. In some ways, it's a little scary. As we enter this new year, this new season, let me finish Chad Bird's quote that I started with this morning. Chad says, New Year's is the annual festival of we're not good enough not skinny enough, not nice enough, not smart enough, etc. It is the only unholy day that constantly accuses us. But today, and every day, hear this. Christ is our enough. In Him, we are 100% pleasing to God. In Christ, you are forgiven In Christ, you have been reconciled. In Christ, you are enough. Let that be the fortress that you hide in, the comfort you need, and the message you proclaim this year and every year. In Christ, you are enough. What a wonderful, gracious, fantastic, and loving God we serve. Amen.